0: Welcome to Cornerstone Church Podcast. Thanks for uh, tuning in to another episode. Uh, we are in a series of one-offs that we've been doing about various different subjects. Um, can you have a series have done... of one-offs? You can, yeah. That's okay. what this is. Oh, okay. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, and uh, on our website, you can find sort of past things that we've done and sermons um, that you can download. Um, my name's Tom. I'm here with Ben and Pete. Hello. Hello. And today we're going to have a think about how not to read the Bible. Um, (laughs) And uh, we have got a few different characters uh, to introduce you to, and they will illustrate for us um, some of the ways uh, not to read the Bible, or some of the things that we might do um, which may not help us to to really enjoy God's Word properly. So we've got, um, I don't know, A to I...
1: How many is that? Ten. Don't
0: know. <laughs> Ten. So we'll see. I mean, many. some
1: of these things are all right. It's just if you get stuck in them, isn't it? If it's the only thing you do, I guess, that's what we're saying, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so the first one is the gold,
0: the gold prospector. So this is somebody you're to imagine um, with one of those uh, old-fashioned metal grills in a stream uh, panning for gold. And what they do is they get a a, a big um, kind of bucket full of grit and silt and water and then they give it a shake uh, and they want to let 99% of it just flow away but they're hoping just for one golden nugget that they can collect and uh, take away. Um, And the point of that illustration is to say that many Christians, uh, for instance, could not tell you what John chapter 3 is all about but John three sixteen is their favourite verse. So um, the rest of John three is just the silt or the gravel. Um, but John three sixteen is the is the nugget they want from the from the chapter. Uh, Bible study uh, consists of underlining verses that have blessed. Um, this is like feeding continually on cake instead of a balanced diet. Obviously, individual verses can bless, but there's no structure in this kind of Bible study. Um, And so, I mean, wonderfully in the Bible, there are all kinds of sentences which you can just pull out of the context and they mean wonderful things, whether they're in the chapter or not. Um, uh, And John 3.16 is one of them. them. but if, if that's the only way that we access the truth of God's word, we, we're going to be impoverished in the end. And we're going to end up probably misunderstanding stuff. So the famous one from Jeremiah, which I think is the most loved or looked up verse. Um, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Um, yeah, it is wonderful, isn't it? And it is a promise from the Lord to his people, but if we don't understand that within the context of that chapter or the broader story of the Bible, we might end up thinking that that's really God promising to make my life comfortable and wealthy and to save me from anything that might be difficult, um, which, it, which it just doesn't mean. Um, and so that's how the gold prospector can get into trouble, isn't it, if they don't look at the wider context as well as their faithful Yeah, verses. and also so
1: finding the nugget, I mean, John 3.16 is... Absolutely, a golden nugget. But you know, when you place it in its in its place, you suddenly see more stuff. But it's more golden. It's more of a nugget, isn't it? Mm-hmm. When you understand the whole chapter, very often that's how it works, isn't it? You find yourself missing or just reading in the flat um, something that uh, you can use as a summary of the whole Bible. But there's, there's deeper truths, aren't there, in there when you when you go on mm-hmm. uh, in in that stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, and, and also for preachers, I mean, pre, if you take preachers, it, you know, I think this is why we try to systematically go through the Bible at Cornerstone, um, because uh, otherwise, as a preacher, I'd just be looking for those golden nuggets and thinking, oh, I love this one and I love that. And then you wouldn't get a balanced diet, would you? You would, you would, you know, you really would get some mistaken mm. stuff going on there.
2: It's interesting. Spurgeon would sometimes preach. From the text the of just a line, yeah. But he he didn't ever build his theology or really sermons from just that line. No, he knew
1: what the whole chapter was about and what the whole Bible was about. What the whole Bible was about, yeah. And, and that the bloke was a walking Bible, wasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, people criticise Spurgeon, funny enough, for that that type of preaching, mm. and I think they're often very ignorant of him. Um, Because when if you read him he's not he's not telling his audience Mm. The work that he's done in finding out what that golden nugget Means in the text. He's done his work though. If you look at it. He's very often right uh, In in but he's not he's not telling you "I, I did all this work all this work Yeah, you know chapter three is followed by chapter four and people want to tell you their workings very often He didn't do that. Yeah um, and so, but he had done his work. Mm. Yeah, mm. and you can tell that, can't you? Mm. Because when s- sometimes
2: someone preaches a verse, uh, which in the context of just that verse is okay, but it doesn't make any sense with the rest of the the rest of scriptures. No. Um, so I heard a sermon once in a church that was about um, Zac- um, Zacchaeus uh, in the tree.
1: Upper tree, upper yeah.
2: tree, and then he came down the tree,
1: and then little talk on baptism was it, and it was all no. about
2: how we have to go out of our comfort zone in life. That yeah. was what the that's what the mm. point of the sermon was because Zacchaeus did something that was unusual at the time, yeah. But totally missed <laughs> <That's so laughs> anything bland. to do with him, where a he'd come bland from, thing, yeah. how you'd he heard of Jesus, yeah. what he was hoping Jesus you did it, you know, and and so that was totally out of context.
1: I I mean when we went through the book of Romans um, I enjoyed sort of going through the chapters you know systematically and then I often uh, at the end of a chapter went back and found the sort of golden nugget verse and preached that Mm. I really enjoyed doing that Mm. Um, but I felt it shone better as a nugget once I'd already understood the whole sort of setting Mm. so yeah we've got to be careful of this I think Mm.
0: Okay, so that's the gold prospector. Similar in some ways is the butterfly. Um, do you want to read that one, Ben? Yeah, so the butterfly.
2: Um, a sip out of this flower, a sip there, and it goes off to another field. This kind of Christian has no plan for reading the Bible and no goals to aim for, so they are likely to skip all the bits that are hard or don't really interest them. So I guess they... it's it, Similar to the gold prospector, but they... They're attracted to the shiny, nice, yeah. colourful verses that are, are lovely and are sweet nectar. And you just go from that verse to that verse to that verse. But you don't re- you're do not you not really interested in going through Leviticus or dealing with chronicles. You just want the, the, the nice... I words. mean, at
1: least the gold prospector has sort of got rid of, has worked his way through the earth to find the gold, is not yeah. he? this one is bad i think Mm. because this is just skipping around uh, and not you know oh that's got my attention because it's sweet that's Mm. got my attention because it's sweet yeah
0: yeah i think i mean this is probably unfair on the butterfly but i think the the gold prospector um may only want the nuggets but it's a picture of hard work isn't it they are laboring um, to get the golden, yeah, yep. to get the nugget, and they might do it all day. Whereas the butterfly, I'm sure, is in fact a hard worker in life, but may give the impression uh, <laughs> that it's just sort of fl- flighting around. And I think that's well, it's after sugar, the... isn't it?
1: It's after the nectar. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And I think this butterfly,
0: I, I think therefore, this is a person without real roots in the Bible, and and, and are likely to be quite unstable as Christians and flighty. So they right may butterflies are. Yeah, exactly. They may um be attracted to sort of sweet things even if it doesn't really fit in with real Christianity. You know, they might flight off to a church which doesn't really love the Bible or but as long as it says something sweet and palatable for the age that we're in, they'll they'll go there and then they might yes. move around and it's sort of a
1: it's hard to yeah, put down roots like that, isn't it? Um the sort of Joel so. Austin head, isn't it? This butterfly. <laughs> Sort of jumping around from prosperity to prosperity, <laughs> yeah, really. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I think a bad one, mm. yeah. I'm not sure if there's much good there at all, is there? Mm.
2: No, and you can get again, you could so easily go wrong, don't you? You were just saying, Tom, that in times of suffering, the butterfly can't handle it at all. The winds come and the butterfly just gets blown away. There's no stability, no root. There's a
1: um. It, it happens in a few months time. There's a spider that comes out. Um, uh, I think it's called like a crab spider. And it's, uh, it will change its colour. It will be green or white. It's very often white. It's got a big sort of, It lo- it looks a little bit like a bud. And it's got sort of crabby claws. Mm. And it waits uh you know for the the one that wants the sweet nectar and then it jumps and grabs it mm. and it's amazing watching them mm. and um i i think the butterfly could be dragged off mm. uh into the dungeons mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's mixing the metaphors <laughs> so now with that we're on to the
0: leech um so here's here's the leech uh not a fast mover, but when it's got something good, it hangs on to it. Um, I know there's an awful lot to be got out of Romans 8.1, but there are a few more verses in that chapter. Uh, by all means, take a verse and get what you can out of its riches for a few weeks, but feed elsewhere as well. Um, so this is the opposite of the butterfly. The butterfly is uh, very flighty. The leech is a hanger on Um And there's something good about the leech because they do want to get as much juice as they can from a particular truth. Uh, And, you know, if you look back in church history, people like the Puritans would do lots of this. Um, So William Gurnall, who was a a Puritan... um, Wrote, wrote a book called The Christian Incomplete Armour, which is basically his meditations on Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. And it's well over a 1,000 pages, uh, and there's only 10 verses there. And each ver- you know, finally, be strong in the Lord, gets, <laughs> I don't know, 300 pages <laughs> or something, you know. And so that's trying to uh, really sort of get as much. But, of course, in doing that, they're drawing from all kinds of other things. So, but... So there's something good about that and I think in a TikTok age where the average video is like 8 seconds or something you know it there's a, we are not trained to think hard or for a long time about anything um and so actually in our age it's good to be a leech sometimes to to think hard and for a long time but um
1: yeah and you can memorize a verse and meditate on it and as you say you get lot, lot lots out of it. it 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 can it can be really good but uh, you know, you, but you you're going It's not a balanced diet in the end, I don't think. No. Um, no. I mean, it's like that bloke, wasn't it, who preached for forty years to his congregation on Job, the book of Job. I mean, that is putting the book of Job into practice, isn't it? Forty years, <laughs> every week you go for forty years. <laughs> and, I mean, we're twenty years old, we're only halfway through Job. Yeah. Yeah. Our church. I mean it's it's extraordinary isn't it It, it's too much and the bible is meant to you know that it has all these different genres and uh, ways of looking at the same truths very often but in different ways and god's made us hasn't he to to enjoy different fruits and different genres and different you know poetry and and all that sort of stuff there are
2: also um, tensions in scripture aren't there there are there are uh, things that are emphasised in one place, but not in another. And if you leech too strongly onto a certain emphasis, you get an unweighted yes. sort of understanding of God and of man, don't
1: you? And so, you get young men like this, don't you? Hmm. They get a doctrine. They're yeah. a leech on a doctrine. Yeah. And it gets it out of perspective, doesn't it? You know. Yeah. And they want to argue that all the time or you know, make sure the pastor really does believe in you know it's it's often the sort of Calvinistic doctrines, isn't it, that mm, that yeah. actually turn blokes on to be quite leechy, isn't it? Mm. Not that they're not wonderful doctrines, but yeah. Mm. Okay, that's the leech. The vulture, Ben, do you wanna
2: The vulture, it lets others do all the hard work of killing and then waits for the leftovers. <laughs> Yes, we need to hear good preaching, real good, uh, read co- good commentaries, etc. But above all, we need to apply ourselves to God's Word and communicate directly with Him. Other people's Bible study should be an encouragement to us to do our own, not a substitute for it.
0: Mm. Yeah, we we when we were reading this beforehand, we we changed the above all to the as well as mm. or the alongside, um, because hearing good preaching. Um, is a, is really important for the christian life you know we need to be sat under the proclaimed word of god um so it's not that our personal quiet times are the total top of the mountain sure. you know but they are a very important part of growing as a, as a, you know as a christian um
1: but this is yeah, second this hand is, meat, isn't it? It's it's yeah, it's a what's Second it called? hand killed. What? Carry on or c- carry on yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, roadkill and all that sort of stuff, isn't it? So you've not you've not done the work. Mm. Uh that that's the problem. And again, you get people like this and they read a commentary or an it or a book a book and it's 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 often just parent parroting or just feeding on other people's work it is it's good to work hard isn't it in the scriptures and to think yourself even however good commentaries and bible preachers are of course they, of course they are
2: if you do both together they yeah. they both uh lift up each other don't they mm. so if you're hearing at uh, well contagious last year we did the book we did the book of revelation um and there was lots of commentary reading for that to begin with for me personally. But once that starts spinning and going, yes. you then yes. looking at it, yes. it, it, you then start seeing connections and you understand things yourself, which then makes you more excited when you do go back to commentaries or, or hear sermons on it yeah. because your mind's going. And so th- there's one that sort of boosts the other, that boosts the other, that boosts the other. That's that's the that's the joy of not being individualistically christian but being part of a a community of believers and when we hear the preaching and we read the commentaries um but yeah they work best together
0: they do and i mean we're working through timothy at the moment and um you know timothy is charged not just to read out what paul has already said you know paul doesn't just say here's a book of my sermons you just need to read these out You know, he is told to, yes, hold fast to the apostolic gospel, which he heard from Paul. But he's got to correctly handle the word of truth. He's got to divide up the word preach the whole counsel of god he's got to give himself to the public reading of te- scripture to teaching and to preaching and um so that's those are that that's the hard work he's got to do he, he mustn't um unmoor himself from the historical gospel which he's heard but he needs to work on how he's going to apply that gospel to his context and the false teachers that are there and whatever else and that's all hard work because he's got to think about Yes, I know the gospel, but how how am I going to proclaim it in a way that these people understand? Um and, and personal, you know, personal Bible reading is is like that as well, isn't it? We want to meet with the Lord ourselves um, and not just through we don't just want to meet with the Lord through other people's meetings with the Lord, no. you know. Um, I mean, this is
1: the trouble with the, a, the the uh what's it called? Chap... GPT. Chap... GPT stuff where you can just say write a sermon, can't you? Or you know on whatever, and it's phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, it comes back in three seconds, mm-hmm. and you know if you're doing that in as a pastor, it, it's a disaster. It is you really are lined up to be a disaster because there's no personal work in it, isn't there? I mean, I mean, some denominations historically would have would have. Um, sermons written out in the part I mean, actually the anglican church yeah originally had the uh, homilies from yeah. from uh cramner which in one sense was a good idea mm-hmm. because you had a whole load of catholics that weren't christian mm-hmm. p- priests and cramner wrote what's it 40 homilies or whatever and sent them out and you're meant to read them out at least there's going to be gospel there yeah. um but if that's what, if that's all you had, the the priest just reading that out, you're gonna you're gonna be in big trouble because it's not from the heart, mm. isn't it? Yeah.
0: Mm. Yep. So that's the vulture, the artful alliterator. So we've m- moved away from uh, animals for a little bit. <laughs> I think it's meant to be alligator, actually. Oh, is it the artful alligator? Okay, uh, sort well, that's d- pretty good. playing man. on alliterator and alligator. Yeah, the isn't artful it? dodger. Yeah.
1: It's sort of a literator alligator. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> getting a point beginning with P. This is this is sort of specifically aimed at preachers, I guess, mainly. Getting a point beginning with P is more important than getting a point that is in the passage. <laughs> um, better to be based... It's great on, when you get a P, it isn't it? It is its yeah. <laughs> uh, um, better to be based on Scripture than to be clever. Be both, of course, if you can. Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, it is it is interesting. Isn't it? I mean, there were, there was a bloke. Um, it, he was a British preacher. I won't say his name, but he he went to America, and he alliterated everything. There was nothing he didn't alliterate. I mean, I I always, we used to laugh. Me and a mate um, uh, that he must have sat down, you know, for for breakfast with his wife and said. My dear darling dot, mm. you know, uh, do thou, uh, you know, mm. uh, whatever it is, D, D, D. Mm. Um,
0: there is something very helpful in it for... The trouble is, if you do it all the time, yeah. you if people begin to... It becomes the thing, not the truth you're trying to communicate, but here we go, we're waiting for his alliteration, here it is, but it is a way of drilling truth yeah, it's into good. the mind, and yeah. so I think, you know, that the sermon if it comes, from Sunday, it comes, yeah, I mean the sermon from Sunday morning, you know, it's quite rare to be able to just uh, be able to repeat the points from Sunday's to remember them all but you know when you've got progressing pastor preaching pastor purposeful pastor and a preserving pastor you know you just remember you remember it and and there's even if you can't remember all of the content under each of those points there's enough in the headings to sort of know what was being taught uh, you know and i think it would be harder to remember points sometimes that didn't have that kind of rhythm um than uh, than if they, than if they did. Um, so it mustn't be like a golden calf where we can't yeah. preach unless we've got it. But it, I think, there's something in the way the Lord has set up our minds with poems and rhythm and like cadence, is that it helps to get the truth in sometimes. So I want to defend this one, actually. I'm actually quite angry about it. Yes, but it's
1: it's, it's only looking for that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, But it's often P, isn't it? An S. uh, It's often P and S, isn't it? Mm. But what other letters are there? I think A. R, R, yeah. Mm. It's sort of A, R, P and S, yeah. Mm. There's very rarely... A Z, is there? <laughs> no, I mean, Zeals and zooming and yeah, people Zealots. would
0: think you were stretching the limits of what was acceptable. To, <laughs> were trying to get Zs, um, yeah. But the the caution here is, what am I loyal to? Is it what God says, or is it my clever way of presenting it? Mm. And in the end of the day, you'd rather have something that people can, a point that people can actually see for themselves. In the words in front of them, than one you've had to do like magic tricks in order to to do. So that's the that's that one. Uh, the ghost hunter.
2: The ghost hunter is always looking for something that isn't there. He attaches significance to noises that no one else noticed and draws far-reaching conclusions. Some Christians neglect the straightforward meaning and pounce on some tiny insignificant thing. Ordinary actions take on spiritual meaning. This is an interesting one, isn't it because um this is true, and I suppose a lot of these things happen in combination, so the leech who is stuck on a certain doctrine will try and read that yeah. weightiness into everything that that can be you know where those connections can't be, but there is also a Christian maturity that does see things that are there, but this is this I guess this is someone maybe looking to read. Their own agenda into a passage where it isn't present. Mm, mm. So, um,
1: well, if you take, I mean, we were looking at um, 1 Timothy 4 the the other day, mm. and in it, um, Paul talks about don't neglect your gift or whatever he says. Yep. Um, uh, and then it talks about the laying on of hands. Um, I mean, There's a sermon there for all kinds of people, isn't there? The charismatics will grab that and say, Ah, laying on hands. Yeah, Yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. Although we don't know what it means. um, The Catholics will go, Oh, that's ordination or something. And the Anglicans, that's ordination, laying on hands. Um, What else is there? There's probably other groups that will grab that and Mm. and make. And and yet we actually don't really know what Paul was talking about there. Mm.
0: Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I mean, it's probably some sort of public recognition of his role yes. and responsibility, yeah. isn't it? But I mean, uh,
1: yeah. When, so it's been when where, you're into those sort of phrases. Yeah, though. that's the thing, isn't yeah. it?
0: And um, you know, I, th- I think sometimes this can happen when when we're we're in Bible studies or home groups or whatever, and 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 we're talking about a passage that really has nothing to do with predestination, but somehow the question of predestination comes up. <laughs> yeah. So can I just ask about, and you think, well, you can, but that's not really what we're, I mean, there's there's truth for us to enjoy here without seeing what isn't here. Um, and often if people have got difficulties with particular doctrines, um, they, they do find that it tends to come up whatever you're looking at, because it's got to be asked about again and talked about and, you sort of think there's a time for that, and we're open for questions, but we don't want to we don't want to see things that aren't there all the time because not every passage is yeah is about predestination.
2: You don't want to draw too many strong connections either. Either so, the, um, my Cornhill course, we were looking at different commentaries for the Book of Kings, and there's a guy called something Lightheart. I can't remember yeah. what his name is, and he sees Jesus in almost everything mm. in a way that I love him for, yeah. and I quite like that. Um, but there are there are sometimes ways in Scripture that are like negative comparisons. We heard a really lovely line yesterday about Solomon and about the Song of Songs being the best of Solomon. Uh, we see Christ in the best of Solomon, but but, but Christ is better than the best of Solomon. And we see Christ in Solomon's failings, because Jesus did not fail in those ways. Jesus is faithful to one wife, as opposed to Solomon. So, so you, you, have, you can't make allegorical comparisons, can you? And, and say, this is, in every way, this is Jesus. You have, to, you, you, you have to say, in some ways we see Jesus by seeing how Jesus is different from this. Yeah. And not try and read. Really well, try. I mean,
1: in Song of Songs, the great ghost hunter is, is the Muslims. Yes. Because what's the yeah. word they, they they see Muhammad yeah. in the Song of Songs, but it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it? yeah.
0: <laughs> well there's a there's a Hebrew uh expression for I think for, for those who desire which sounds a bit like it's something like Mahamadim, like <laughs> Muhammad, like the Desirers. It's it a Hebrew it's word. A, it's a Hebrew word that sounds a little bit like the English way of saying Mohammed. Mohammed. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and so yeah, I mean that's um, that's, that's a straight ghost. out Scooby Doo. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, so that's uh, that's that's one. The bird's nest, I think, is a particularly um, Dangerous one. Gathering a verse here, a verse there, taken out of context and used to build a very nice, firm theory. The results are impressive, but not biblical. Context matters much, and uh, so do other passages not referred to. Um, Now, I think this is... um this is one that you you kind of see with people who, who don't want to abandon Jesus and give up Christianity, but they do want to say that the Bible needs to be modernised and updated, or is in fact um, not going to challenge the culture on any of the Hot Topic issues. Um, so you would hear this from liberal Christians who want to say well actually homosexual practice um, is not something that God condemns or calls us to repent of um, because look at Jesus I mean Jesus never actually said the word gay um, he was about love and he was about uh, you know welcoming people and so um, if that's what Jesus did then there's no way that what Moses said or what Paul said is going to disagree with Jesus you know and so they try to sort of set parts of the canon against each other um, as if all of it is not the word of God and so one example of this um, that I heard a while ago now is uh, that scene which admittedly requires some work is the uh, the man who's collecting sticks on the sabbath um, and is stoned for doing so now the interpretation of that would be well now we've got Jesus we know that Jesus is love, and Jesus would never have given a command like that. And therefore, whatever Moses was thinking there, he might have thought he was speaking for God, but we now know that he wasn't, because yeah. Jesus wouldn't do that. And so that's what the bird nest tries to do. It tries to take a sort of God is love thing and say, well, we're going to build our Christianity around that, and anything else in the Bible which might sort of cause us to worry about we we can just say well that's not what we, we what we've got um they actually, are very I mean, dangerous to birth, it, yeah about it
1: is you know you get that with the prosperity gospel their pick out you know we've got to be prosperous and you get that with the whole thing now that you know christians are not to call themselves sinners mm. you know we're saved by grace what are you you're a saint you're not a sinner anymore um you know and there are verses that you know, encourage us to think of ourselves as the child of God, of course, but we are sinful as well, you know, so that, 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 that happens, I think. And I think um, I remember reading, um, I can't think of his name now, uh, heretic bloke from America, um, uh, it, it, Love Wins uh, bloke. Yeah, Rob, Rob Bell. Bell. Yeah, Rob yeah. Bell. And it was an amazing chapter. And what he did, he was was a very clever bird's nest maker because he goes to show the whole idea of God isn't really a judge and there isn't hell, and he mocks all of this idea of hell and stuff. And he does it in in, um, uh, Matthew 13 by quoting around, picking the bird's nest things. Mm -hmm. Matthew 13 is extraordinary about judgment and hell. There's probably more in that chapter than anything else. But he's pulled out this one, uh, you know, bit of straw and another bit of straw and put it together so that actually, if you didn't look up Matthew 13, you would think Matthew 13 was only about the love of God, not about judgment, not about hell. It was it an was extraordinary chapter. So these are very dangerous people, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and God. I mean, you you can get that. The problem is when you have these verses stuck on, on your wall, isn't it, out of context? Again, you can make, you know... You just end up making God in your own image, really, don't yeah. you? Because you're not going to
0: listen to all that he says about himself. It, it's really putting ourselves at the top of the mountain and saying these are true about him, these aren't, you know. Um, yeah. And it's all interconnected, so that comes... To, the whole idea that you would say... What Moses said from the Lord was clearly wrong because we know what Jesus said from the Lord yeah. is to dismantle the doctrine of Scripture because it's all the living breath of God and Christ and the Spirit. Um, so those are Jesus' words. Um, yeah. And Jesus says, What did Moses say? Yeah. yeah so uh, that's very interesting. Exactly. <laughs> okay, the drain pipe, everyone needs to have one, but nobody wants to be one. Uh, isn't that right a drain pipe yeah
2: <laughs> it all goes in goes through and comes out and the pipe remains unchanged the word of God is living and powerful and must have an effect on our lives nature's thoughts and actions it builds us up feeds our minds and directs our hands yeah
1: well I mean that's we've got to be careful of this mm. sermon tasters bible readers that know stuff but the life isn't changed mm goes in straight out of us um i mean it's a depressing thing the drain pipe isn't it which we all are to some degree I mean, as a preacher it's depressing talking to a drain pipe isn't it after mm. you've preached yeah it's just gone straight through yeah and um you know doesn't seem to have affected anything <laughs> um, and uh, they haven't heard anything uh yeah this is this is bad yeah um
2: I mean, is this someone who comes up to you and says, great sermon, really enjoyed it. But then, you know, I mean, Jesus said, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And, uh, you know, he cursed the fig tree because there were leaves, but no fruit. So people come and display leaves, but their lives are unchanged. Mm. So they're they're there on a Sunday. They say the right things, sort of do the right things. But then their inner life is totally against what you've, everything you've preached. Yeah.
0: Yeah i mean james uses the image of the mirror for this one doesn't he you know that when we listen to a sermon or read the bible ourselves it's like looking at ourselves in the mirror but if we don't combine it with faith and action or if there isn't a posture of readiness to be different as a result of hearing then we are like the person who immediately forgets what they look like as soon as they've seen themselves in the mirror um and he's saying, no, come on, listening to a sermon is a chance to look at yourself in the mirror, um, but the reason people often spend hours in the mirror is is so that they can adjust, right? I mean, that's sort of the, the point of it, um, and, um, and that's what we are to do. We want to look in the mirror so that we can, by the grace of God, adjust, and, you know, because eventually over time, you know, the, 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 there might be weeks where we're all like this, but um, for, for various reasons, but over time we'll just you know hollow out won't we we won't be able to hear anymore and uh, you know it's we'll just be stunted and then begin to die so
1: um I mean you can have floods of water coming through the drain pipe you know hmm. absolutely oceans of of god's blessing hmm. uh, pouring through and it just goes straight through and doesn't do anything hmm. um this is this is bad, isn't it? I mean or, or you can have people that say the right things, can't you? but in their you know mm. in their action, in their everyday living, mm. it means nothing. Mm. yeah, and that's a worry, isn't it? Yeah yeah, let's not be a drain
0: pipe. no um, lastly then, um, letter I, the literary critic is one who goes through a book looking for mistakes, contradictions, possible queries, and problems. It is easy to impress by finding a problem with a book with 1,189 chapters. Whilst the Christian never runs away from problems, they all have answers if you look hard enough. We read the Bible to be blessed and to let God teach us through it. Um, You often encounter this, I think, in evangelistic situations where... um, You you might be, for instance, on a university campus or um, in the pub with a friend, and you you, you're you're trying to um, explain to them what the core of the gospel is all about uh, and Christ and who Christ is. Um, But there's some sort of reason, some barrier, some hurdle why Jesus can't be listened to. You know, so for instance, we can't trust the Bible, um, or the people who wrote the Bible were. Prone to believing in stupid things, or um, you know, science is, you know, gives us a better explanation of who we are than Christianity or whatever. And and there are these questions that people have, and they are good questions, and Christians do have answers. That's what this is saying. The Bible is not ashamed or afraid to answer these questions, but very often, like, I think with the literary critic, these really are um, barriers that they've put up to sort of stop them listening. So, I mean, I remember. You know, where I, when I was a student, or, or after talking to someone for a number of occasions about the about the gospel, but the big thing for him was that where were dinosaurs in the Bible, mm-hmm. and you sort of think in the end, uh, is that really the big thing that is going to keep you from listening to Jesus? That that the word dinosaur or is not in the Bible, or. Um, that, I think, is what the literary critic is, is doing. There's, there's something that, you know, might, might be an honest question, but it becomes, here's why I'm not going to listen. You know, do you know what I mean? I think it, that's the sort of thing, isn't it, mm-hmm. with the literary critic? They forget yeah. that behind the words
2: on the page is a God who's, who's speaking and has mm-hmm. spoken. And therefore, there are going to be mysteries and things that we don't know and don't understand. And there's an awful lot. The Lord hasn't revealed to us. And so we will always have some questions, um, unanswered mysteries. Um, however, it, I mean, as you read out, we read the Bible to be blessed and to let God teach us through it. That is what's happening when you read the Word of God. You're listening to the Word of God. Um, and so uh, we need to, to receive and listen and hear and feel the breath of life on us as we read it, not come with glasses and a magnifying glass and to try to find to pull it apart to find errors it's um, i mean
1: the muslims often do that I, I i remember that one um after some debate or something christian muslim debate at kingston university a bloke asked me a question do you remember afterwards and I was, uh, uh, it would be something about the Bible, you know, why why is there two Goliaths or something, you know, what's going on here? And you tried to sort of answer. And as I was answering, yeah. he was going on to a website, yeah. uh, which which, uh, which which was for Muslims to find hard, questions, hard for questions for Christians on the Bible. <laughs> yeah. And he's and I said, mate, sorry. I, I was answering you're looking up another question <laughs> do do you want to under, you know he didn't even want to listen no. to the answer no. he just wants to beat you, and in the end we might as well be beaten uh, because it doesn't matter because because he's not going to listen anyway so what's the point of wasting our time I think that's that's often the case isn't it with 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 people and it's 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 very sad but the, I think the other way you can do it is is culturally really um, and that is to sort of um, uh, start to say, um, you know, that's that's culture there in the, in, and it it can be. Um, so I don't have to. I'm not going to listen to this because Paul is a misogynist, and look at the way he treated women, and 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 then oh, there uh, he's he's in his culture, and therefore I don't have to listen to it. There's sort of literary critics there, isn't there? Now you do have to again do work on culture and stuff like that sometimes, but it's often a way of just not listening really,
2: yeah, how many Isaiahs there are doesn't change the fact that there's no, one God who no. speaks his one word, yeah, and so are you going to submit to it or are you going to just get yeah. hung up on the fact that how could this you know this was a prophecy happen seven hundred years later or whatever I mean yeah. some of those
1: some of the even evangelical commentaries mm. are sort of disastrous on this. Mm. And you read the introduction about, like, there are six eyes-eyes, or some say there are four, and some say there's one. You know, it just takes it away. It's a bit like the Song of Songs thing, I think. Mm. You know, was it written by Solomon? Was it written for Solomon? Uh, Was Solomon anything to do with it? Well, it's written, it says Solomon. So let's just take the picture, the image, and see what it actually is telling us about the love of Solomon for a woman, the love of the king for the... For the for the woman found it, you know, was there really a woman, uh, a Shulamite woman? Um, uh, well, it says that, so let's take the story and show that it's about Christ and the Church, sort of thing, mm. um, rather than saying, well, it could have been a Shulamite woman, but uh, it probably wasn't. It's was probably a dream, probably a poetry. You know, do you do you know what I mean? And so we can be literal critics, and then the Bible sort of it sort of feels exhausting. Uh, and not exciting. This is the word of God. Let's hear the word of God, you know. And sometimes, you know, those Bible commentaries, they, they've they got like 50, like 100 pages sometimes on an introduction. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, you're worn out. Yeah, just get me into the text and show me Christ. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, that's it. Those are the. That's the list. Um, Bible misusers. Hope that was uh, helpful. None of this is to say that you need to be a, you know, an expert or a, or a scholar to enjoy the Bible. But these are just helps. You know, that as we listen to God's Word and as we read it ourselves, to, to get the most out of that that wonderful truth that we've been given. Um, do join us again next week. We'll be uh, we'll be here talking about Ami Azar. <laughs> uh, yeah our favourite bible verses favourite bible verses yeah uh, no um, yeah cornerstonechurchkingston.org you can look at all kinds of other resources and do tune in again soon